Hey everyone, welcome to the Fullest Podcast. I'm your host, Nikki Bostwick, and I'm here today with Stephen Smith, who is the founder of Onda. Hi. Hey, how are you? Hi, Stephen. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really excited about this episode and to just kind of get the lowdown on the hemp and cannabis world from you and just get into regenerative agriculture as well. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a it's a super exciting time because you know, those of us, whether you're a consumer or a retailer or, you know, anyone involved in, in hemp and cannabis right now, we're we're kind of writing the narrative, you know, together. So it's it's kind of feels like a fresh start in an agricultural uh, industry, whereas, you know, so many are so established. So, um, yeah, we're really excited to uh, to team up with uh, folks to move this forward in a way that's good for everyone uh, and the planet. Yeah. So uh, some I mean, I would imagine we've had um, some people on the podcast that listeners who are regular listeners would probably know about regenerative agriculture who are listening to the podcast. But I always think it's an interesting, um, interesting topic to kind of get into and explain a little bit for people who don't know what it is, because it's just so much. It's, there's so much to it. It's much more complex than just organic farming, because that includes, um, I don't know, what would you say? Mono? Would you say monocrop? Is that how you explain that when people can just have one type of plant that they're growing and it's not really like good for the environment? Yeah. Monocropping would be kind of like, you know, think of your, think of a lawn, just all grass versus like a jungle is very diversified and has um, a series of symbiotic relationships between a variety of plants that keep an ecosystem in balance. But, you know, the funny thing is, 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 as far as I can tell, regenerative agriculture is basically just, you know, kind of the original way of cultivating, right? So before industrialization, before, um, you know, uh, Dow and these companies started using pesticides and herbicides because they were leftover uh, chemicals from warfare, you know, before all of this mindset of, of industrializing agriculture, folks were, were growing for their community, they were growing for their family, and they had, uh, they really kind of inherently, because we're human and we're animals, we relied on the diversity of, of crops and species to create balance in, in, in kind of a, in a, in a unit, in a farm, in a place. And so we look at the body, the farm, and the earth as these ecosystems that need diversity and balance to thrive, right? I think people can relate to that. Um, and then, you know, organic is, is good, right? Organic is better than using chemicals and, and herbicides and pesticides. But of course, uh, it comes down to money. And when the USDA wrote the organic standard, I think back in the 50s, they actually were basing a lot of those principles off of Demeter. And Demeter is the original organic, which is Rudolf Steiner's biodynamic farming. And, mm -hmm. and not to say that like, you know, um, uh, indigenous groups and, 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 and pre-industrial uh, groups all over the world, uh, they've always farmed organically. So this isn't, this isn't a group of people that are, you know, marketing some new idea. It's more about taking it back to yeah. a, a way of farming that is considering future generations um, and, and interested in, in repairing landscapes. Um, 
So yeah, regenerative agriculture to us is uh, is is farming uh, in a way that honors uh, you know biodiversity. It, it honors um, the farm as an ecosystem, and it's all about the soil. So you feed the soil first. You feed the soil first so that the soil can feed the plants. Because, uh, you know, a lot of this industrial and, and, and commercial agriculture is all about, you know, kind of feeding the plants and using the soil as this kind of dead vacuum. It's almost like, it's almost like the plants are on like life support. They're just getting pumped nutrients directly into them instead of like creating vitality from deeper within, which is the soil. Wow, that's such a good analogy. I never thought about it that way. Yeah, it, it makes sense, right? It's like, you know, think about, you know, your son in any of our, our, our the young people in the world, like down the road, they're going to look back and think, maybe, I, I don't know, I can imagine this happening. They're going to say, you guys knew you were killing the soil and you kept doing it because mm-hmm. you're used to paying rock bottom prices for food because you're used to uh, you know, supporting a system that values short-term gain and short-term short-term reward, when when we really could be kind of taking a step back and trying to figure out ways that we can farm. Uh, you know, to really to in our mission statement at Onda is heal the people, empower our farmers, and support the regeneration of the earth. So that is the three pillars. It's it's the body, the farm, and the earth as these ecosystems. And if we can just you know, start looking at ways to, to, to build soil health, to create ecosystems for native habitat, um, and, and use diversity. And, and it's a long-term game, you know, you're not going to see results right away, but you start to see, I think, uh, when you build soil health and you make these decisions, you see these returns over time. Um, the scalability of it is a real, a real, uh, important aspect to, to consider, right? So it's like, how can we feed, the world with regenerative agriculture or, you know, these biodynamic, uh, gardens, right? So Mm -hmm. there, there are, there are obstacles in, in feeding this many people. If we're going to kind of wean ourselves off of the, uh, synthetic inputs and the conventional methods, but, you know, there's a guy named Gabe Brown and he's in the Dakotas and he has a really big operation and he's seeing bigger, bigger returns financially uh, and more vitality. He's doing it. It's kind of working at scale uh, or wide out pastures. Yep. Is that the five thousand acre farm? I, I, I would I would imagine he's in the thousands. Uh, yeah. Which you know it's all relative, right? Like a few thousand acres of 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 grain or or uh, polycultures of livestock in the Midwest is is not not a lot for for some people. But I think right now it's about. I'm interested in in looking at at folks that are not just they don't have like a 60 acre hobby farm, you know they're, yeah. they're they're doing this at scale because if they can do it at scale successfully, without this kind of welfare model of either being a wealthy farmer or rancher that you know sold a tech company and now they're going to go, you know, do this do this thing and and they don't really need to make it work financially, which you see a lot or you see farms that are backed by big celebrities and they're like, Oh, look, we're, we're doing it this way. But in reality, most farmers, you know, you can't afford to make those mistakes, but there are people I think that are doing it without, uh, without those kind of backups that, that it is working. 
Coop Home Goods is on a mission to give you your best sleep experience through sleep products that are designed around you. Their original pillow is adjustable, the most reviewed pillow on Amazon, and the only pillow that adjusts to your loft height. Beloved by chiropractors and humans alike, the Coop pillow is soft where you need it to be and firm where you need it to be. For 15% off your Coop order, use code THEFULLEST at checkout. I, I think it's an interesting topic, and I had, I don't know if you've ever heard of the Ecology Center. Yeah. Have you heard of it in San Juan but Campus Rock? Yeah, I have, but it rings a bell, but I can't place where it is. Yeah, I mean, I, if you haven't met Evan, the executive director, you guys would hit it off really well. But um, we were recently chatting, and I asked him the same question, like, is it scalable? Are we able to feed the world with, you know, if... If the um, if the nature of big business was able to like kind of let us through, right? If we weren't subsidizing um, soy and corn, and we were kind of what you mentioned, like that welfare model wasn't in place to subsidize people to continue on that path. Like if we were really going to go down the regenerative agriculture route, could we feed the world this way? And his take on it was like, well, yes obviously he's in the business and that that's just his passion and that's what he lives and breathes. So he's going to say yes, but he also just was saying how he believes that like what he's building is like a village. So it's almost like we all, we each create these villages that sustains the community. But I, I really love that approach. And I hope that that's how we scale this movement is that people get inspired to go back to their community and create something like that. But I think as people like you and I who have products, it becomes really interesting and complicated when we think about like you, you're coming at this from such a holistic and intentional place. And most like no one in the cannabis space or hemp space is, I mean, I don't want to say no one, but it's very, very, very rare to find a brand that is using regenerative and working with regenerative farms. So how do you envision like that playing out eventually? Like, how does that work? Yeah. So my background, I worked uh, as an assistant winemaker for an organic diversified vineyard. I got really excited about agriculture. That was 10 years ago. And then I worked uh, for the first biodynamic farm in Colorado, Jackrabbit Hill, uh, first uh, organic distillery in the United States. I worked for a large scale ranch. So I was seeing... I was seeing the, the decisions they were making uh, to value soil health and natural vitality in their fruit or crop or whatever they were producing. The goal was to create the most flavor, most nutrient profile, most uh, natural and robust expression of that thing. And I could see the other side of the fence line and the degradation in the land there. So I, I was seeing all this. And when I came in at one of these properties and worked as the director of business development, it was kind of like I had discovered this Eden, but no one knew about it because they were so busy doing it that they didn't have the resources or time to invest in the connection point, the, the chain mm -hmm. that connects the consumer and the entity, the farm, the the land stewards, the the people that are really doing their best to take care of the land and create healthy food and medicine and crops. 
And so I kind of fell into this in between spot. You know, I, I loved moving cows. I loved working in the vineyard and I'll go back to that. But I think it's important for brands uh, that are really truly committed to it. They're not just a part of this BS greenwashing, sustainable, natural. They're just throwing these words around just because they think it's going to help yeah. them sell. But if they're truly deeply in their heart and their bodies and their minds and their souls connected and committed, then, then they realize that, that their brand can be a mechanism for good. And mm -hmm. it's like, okay, well, I could just drop Onda and just go do my own thing. But again, I think this serves a very valuable purpose in the system because I live in a very rural, small town area. And then I dip into cities here and there to, to, to kind of do the sales thing and to connect. And there's a truly a massive disconnect. There's a real big gap between these populations in the country. And yet we need each other mm -hmm. <laughs> in so many ways. And so I think it's really imperative that, uh, that we 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 facilitate this connection, and so Onda is a mechanism for good. It's a it's a it's a tool. It's a lever. It's a a chain. I mean, that's my masculine mind seeing seeing what this this entity is. But you know, we have farms that we've decided to pay a certain amount per pound that that is a multiplier, like you know, a, a five to ten time. To, to 15 time multiplier of what the, the commodity system is. So you have a CBD brand that's out there with this shiny website, this shiny facade, they're selling something for top dollar. And yet they don't know their farmer. They just go through some random lab that buys it off the commodity market. The commodity broker negotiates with a farmer. Last year, farmers are in a total pinch because it was uh, a saturation of hemp. There was too much hemp to the, to, to the demand. So what yeah. happened was like commodity brokers were saying, well, I'll pay you five bucks a pound or something like that. And these farmers are happy to get anything. And it's, it was a dollar a seed. So it, it, they're, they're losing their tail on it. So what we've decided to do is to pay them what we – negotiate between us because these are our friends that we're in a long-term <laughs> committed relationship with yeah. and we're trying to make all the numbers work right because we have to be on the shelf for a, a price that's reasonable and yet we want our farmers to 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 make good money i mean the farmers in my life are really some of the smartest most tuned in uh humble and um and and capable people i know it's the hardest job I've ever done, farming and ranching. It is, uh, it's constant problem solving, and you're always at the mercy of nature. Uh, so I, I just think that if we can, it's like teachers, right? Like if teachers and farmers can get paid what they actually should be getting paid, yeah. they, they would be doing well. And we would have incentive for more young people to go into these positions. Mm -hmm. So. Not only can these companies uh, like ours be mechanisms for good, but they can be disruptors because as a whole, we're on a slippery slope to the bottom. Uh, we've built these systems based off of profit, short-term return, again, with very little uh, consideration for our children and grandchildren and so on. It's just like, hey, the baby boomers can make a bunch of money. Um, mm -hmm. And now we have to say, all right. Uh, there's a forest fire. Like, there's something that's got to come through and sweep and clean up the brush. And we have to take a new look 
at these models. So, you know, we're exploring these associative economics models where we're paying our farmers a lot more. Maybe we do profit sharing. I don't know. We're, we're exploring these things. So, you know, the scalable thing, uh, what your friend was talking about communities, we're not going to do this overnight. That's not yeah. going to be a home run. It's not going to be a hundred percent, but you know, if a boat's, if a boat's going down, you can just give up or you can try to bail out water and patch the hole. Like you got to decide, are you in for the the fixing and, and the, the evolution and the growth and the, and the, um, expansion, or are you just going to be a part of the problem? You know, uh, and I, I'm a pessimistic, <laughs> I'm kind of a pessimistic, sometimes jaded, you know, I can see the darkness, uh, but this project, this business, this time in life, and this path using hemp as a mechanism to support our farmers who are growing potatoes, onions, polycultures of chickens, pigs, cows, they have sunflowers, they have herbs. This can be a bumper crop. This can support them if we make it work. And it's a real struggle, obviously, but if we can make it work, then they are going to be incentivized to want to add hemp into their diversified rotation. And, uh, and we can start showing that our farms don't need the help of the government. They don't need to grow commodity stuff. They don't need to spray. They don't need to do introduce poison into their ecosystem because we're a part of a system that is supporting the functioning. You know, it's working. So I'm obviously ranting here, but uh, I think I just feel like it can work. I feel like we're onto something. And it's super crucial that the consumers that are able to, right, everyone has a different situation in life. If they're able to consciously support uh, brands that are, are making these decisions and building a bridge, a connection, they're, they're a part of it. They're as yeah. important. If not, they are, they are crucial. They're huge. The consumer is enabling the mechanism to move. They are the fuel. They are the power for Chris and Kate and Jim and Lance and our farms to keep going and to maybe influence their surrounding farms that are, you know, sprayed with toxic chemicals. Like it's like 0.0024% of the land in the US, I believe, is Demeter Biodynamic. And then in Oregon, wow. It's like or, or organic ground, certified organic ground, not to say that there isn't stuff that yeah. isn't certified because that's a whole other conversation, certifications, but it's like, I think it's less than 2%. Oh my God. It could be even less, but I feel like that's what sticks in my head. So it's like, if you think that's there's- mind blowing because I feel like I live in such a bubble where I think everything is becoming organic or, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know. That's crazy. Yeah. So the reality is, is that the super, super overwhelming hunt, like majority, like 90, over 95%, probably over 98% of the soil on the, on, in, in the United States. So if you think about, I can speak to Oregon and, and it, it's probably 99 point something percent for the rest of the country. Cause Oregon, mm -hmm. we've got mountains and rivers and areas where you're obviously not farming. But if you think about all the beautiful dark soil that took so long to be created through decomposition and, and, and everything else that we're spraying chemicals that were used in World War II in gas chambers 
on the ground. We're literally that's what Dow did after World War II. They took all the leftover nitrogen and chemicals that were being used in warfare and they productized them into creating a warfare against plants. So we're literally it's like the soil, the thing that's going to sustain humanity is being poisoned by the same stuff that people were using during World War II. And that's 95 to 99 plus percent of the soil is that way. That's crazy. It's disgusting. And I think the the work here, right, is to educate people because most people don't even think about it. They just go about their day not even considering what's going on. And that's that's the part where we come in and we share with people and we hope that they're inspired and they share with others. And so when I spoke to you a few weeks ago, I was so impressed and so inspired because not only are you just so passionate about it, but I feel like I'm in this industry. I see a lot of brands. I see people, you know, like I said, I think everything's, I'm witnessing so many organic brands, even if they're not organic, you know, they're um, going about organic practices. But when you mentioned the regenerative agriculture space and when it comes to, you know, hemp and just anything, any product that gets put out on the market, like I didn't make that connection. So I was just like, oh my gosh, if I'm not making this connection, what's happening out there? So it's really our duty to be sharing with people about what's going on and what they can do to, to help our environment. Because I, okay, what's so interesting to me, like you said, I know so many people that are like, I care about the environment. That's why I'm voting this way, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's awesome. But like, you were literally just spraying chemicals outside your house because there were ants there. Or, be, you know, you're just like going around because you don't like the weed in your yard. And so you're just like spraying it with Roundup, but then you're going to vote this way because of the environment. Like how, it, where is the, how is that disconnect even happening right now? People just don't see that their daily actions make such a huge impact. And so, especially when it comes to the, the supplements that we take or the, the brands that we support. So I, I'm super inspired. And I think you know, it's interesting because you're in the wine, you were in the wine space before. So in the biodynamic wine space and um, natural wine space. And I, like when I started kind of getting into natural wines, I was realizing there were so many brands that were like, oh, we're, we grow our grapes biodynamic. But then the end product was still like gassed and like, you know, made in a traditional way or, and I thought that that was really interesting. So what you do at Onda, you not only are you sourcing from these regenerative farms, but then the end product is also super, super clean. And so I'd love for you to talk about that as well and the difference because, you know, it's everything just kind of is going based off of your intention. And it's not, it's all just makes sense, basically. And I love that. This episode is brought to you by Underbears. Underbears believes in creating a comfier, kinder world with undergarments that organically move with you, not against you. That means no more painful wires, uncomfortable hooks, fussy strap adjusters, artificial lining, sweaty padding, or wetsuit-like smoothing. Whenever possible, they work with recycled materials and 100% GOTS certified organic cotton. 
Check out Underbears online at underbears.com. And first time fullest buyers can enjoy 10% off with promo code the fullest. That's underbears.com with promo code the fullest. Yeah, it's it's interesting because you know I have farmer friends that are a little fed up with the certification world, right? And huh. then when I have these conversations with them, I know that they're 100% organic. I know that what they're doing is regenerative in the sense that they rely on diversity to build soil health without external inputs. So I want to make a quick analogy. Uh, I'm (laughs) I'm nowhere near perfect, but I do feel like I have the self-awareness right now to understand this concept, which is that the times in my life when I've been uh, less healthy, more depleted, uh, you know, maybe, uh, not as emotionally strong. I, I, I like a lot of people look for distraction and external inputs, right? Maybe I'm on social media too much. Maybe I'm drinking too much. Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm relying on outside things, right. To boost my dopamine or to make me feel better. And, and (laughs) I mean, every human, whether they're aware of it or not, for the most part, is doing that right that's where addiction comes in that's where so so think of the farm okay let me let me finish that thought when i yeah. feel my fullest ah pun intended when i feel <laughs> when i feel the most healthy which i feel really good right now i ran this morning i got a good night's sleep you know i didn't have anything to drink or smoke last night i just feel really clear and fresh i feel like i can show up not only for what I have to do, but I can be a generator for other outgoing energy. I can do things for other people. I can check in. I can support. I'm generating energy and whatever the hell else you want to call it from inside out. But when I'm weak, I'm dependent on outside things to keep me up, right? Yeah. Uh, That's how the farms are. So when the farm is really strong, it's building vitality from within. So you don't have to truck in uh, fertilizer. You don't have to truck in all these things. Uh, so, so that's the analogy I want to I wanna kind of frame this with. And so when you have farms that are practicing organic or they're practicing biodynamic, I mean, you know, you really do, you should let a farm do what it needs to do for its ecosystem, for its conditions, for its resources, for its water, for its soil. Everyone is different. When it comes to being a consumer, do you know your farm? If you meet them at the farmer's market and you've been there and it's like, yeah, I don't care if they're certified or not. I know what they're doing is up to my standards. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and best case scenario, that's their walk in the walk and they're uh, good land stewards and they're producing nutrient rich products. Uh, they're making money and, and everything's working. Worst case, you have corporations that are uh, taking advantage of words like sustainable and organic, and you have lobbyists that have continued to lower the organic standard down. There's organic junk food. Lance yeah. Hansen, who's the farmer at Jackrabbit Hill, who is a, a boss mentor of mine, he makes this comment. It's like, just because it's organic doesn't mean it's good, right? Yeah. So you, you have to be discerning in that in that space. Um, so, you know, there could be wineries or places that are farming biodynamically, um, and they, they maybe they don't have a certification, but but the processing aspect, which is what I think you were touching on, is really interesting, right? So, say you have uh, a, um, a citrus orchard, and it's like so much love and intention goes into this this operation, and you get fresh squeezed orange juice, and and it's minimally processed. 
you're like, oh my God, this is the most delicious, nutrient-rich, fresh expression of their farming that I can consume in a product. That's amazing. So, you know, I see these CBD and, and cannabis brands talking about, it's like they talk about, oh, we're farming this way or that way. And then they create like an isolate or a yellow or clear, you know, distillate product. And I'm thinking, well, the plant was green. It has terpenes and polyphenols and plant sterols and fatty acids and all kinds of stuff, right? So they end up creating like the emergency powder version of <laughs> of what they could have created, which was like a fresh squeezed orange juice. Granted, you know, every product has different needs. But my point is this, if you're going to dedicate so much love, time, energy, resource, intention into farming on a certain level that is doing all these things, we at Onda want to honor that expression all the way to someone's home in the bottle mm-hmm. or in the capsule. So we don't we don't use CO2, we don't use solvents to strip down just for the CBD. We do a old world infusion process. I mean, people have been putting herbs and oil and putting it in the sun f- since the beginning of time to get nutrients out of biomass, out of plant material into an oil so it can, can be consumed as a tincture or a food product or whatever else uh, to be stabilized. So we basically wash, we bath, we bathe the hemp, we soak the hemp in, in, in oil, right? So these compounds, the constituents of the plant, CBD, CBG, THC, whatever it is, their fat and, and alcohol also soluble. So we're choosing the route to use uh, MCT oil, coconut oil, and it's just a gentle uh, infusion. And then we press it and then we put it in the bottle and in the capsule. So I told you that when we spoke, I was like, we're like the natural wine of the hemp yeah. and CBD space. Because you know, when I worked in the wine business, it was like farm, farm, farm to the highest level you can to create the most beautiful expression. And then don't screw it up, mm-hmm. get it to the bottle. So when you take a plant and you just beat it up with like these really abrasive uh, extraction methods and you get this, like I said, a clear yellow or an isolate product, you kind of lost a lot of the vital energy force of the plant in our opinion. Yeah. So, so anyway, that's, that's, that's like the two-part punch for me that I am so pumped about and we're so passionate about is this, this – crop rotation, our hemp is farmed on food farms. They're not monocropped hemp farms. They're food farms that are supplementing with hemp. And then we infuse it in oil and and that's it. So uh, we think that's the truest expression of of, of the farming. So how many farms sense? are you working on? Yeah, yeah. No, I love it. Yeah. Um, right now we're working with two farms. We've got a third farm that, you know, we're we're friends with but uh we just don't need to integrate them into the system yet or into the into the yeah. cycle so right now uh we're working with Kassad family farms in madras oregon they're just north of bend and mm-hmm. they're two buddies of mine chris and kate they're married and they're a young uh you know second generation uh farming uh family and i was just out there two weeks ago harvesting and, uh, you know, got there, wrapped up potatoes and then next day, boom, straight into hemp. And, you know, his mom, Chris's mom and dad are there and, and, um, it's a family thing. I mean, we're out there all day, you know, uh, bringing in, in these beautiful hemp plants and there's a lot of love and care that goes into this because 
we have to hang everything, whole plants, we hang the whole plants, uh, let them air cure, air dry, so we don't put them through a dryer or anything to really maintain that integrity. And uh, I just got a message from him this morning, and now he's he's starting to shuck, so pulling the the buds, the flowers, the leaves, and then uh, the next thing is we grind before we infuse it, and that's kind of the process there. They're organic certified. They pull in um, biodynamic practices, but they're not Demeter certified biodynamic, um, but phenomenal stuff. And that that's in kind of all of our products right now. Uh, the And then Jim Fulmer, this is interesting. Jim Fulmer, he wrote the North American standard for biodynamic. So this, you wow. see it, you see it happening a lot with biodynamic. People say we're a biodynamic farm, uh, and they're not Demeter certified. And so mm-hmm. it's like, you know, that's cool. You know, use whatever influence is helping you. There's no judgment. But when you see a Demeter certified stamp, you know, 100% that they've followed Rudolf Steiner's practices, his preps, his methods, and they're very strict. Mm-hmm. And and that can be probably really annoying for a farmer, but for the consumer, um, it guarantees that that the farm isn't using synthetic inputs or plastic. Like a lot of hemp fields use plastic, which just sucks because why would you put a petroleum product into soil, you know, or on the soil? Uh-huh. It's to suppress weeds, but we, we, we don't do that. We never have. Um, so yeah, so Jim is Demeter. He wrote the North American standard for Demeter. Sorry, what's that? What do you use instead? Cover crop, um, okay. cover crop or straw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing we're, we're going to explore some companion planting this year. We had a pollinator garden of just flowers. Like you don't make any money off it. You just create a habitat for you know bees and and other insects. So we um, and it depends on where the hemp's going, which year. You know, like if it was a pasture before, you could strip cut it and just put it in. There's grass around. Or if it was potatoes before, then you obviously turn it to get the potatoes out. So you might not have a cover crop and it could just be bare. Uh, It just kind of depends. But Jim Fulmer, the guy I was talking about, he used straw and then he had like a 10 foot row. So if you think about you're trying to pack in as many hemp plants to maximize your profits, you would never do a 10 foot row. You do the littlest row you can to maximize your, your, your output. But he decided to do a 10-foot row because he wanted to keep that soil. He didn't want to disturb the soil, and that's sequestering carbon. I mean, there's a whole climate thing here too, yeah. which we haven't really gotten into, which is a big part of regenerative ag. Um, but yeah, anyway, Jim's the other farmer. He's in Western Oregon, and he's, he's biodynamic, uh, Demeter certified, used to be the head of Demeter. And then some standards have kind of been influenced by his writing, so uh, we're friends with sun and earth certification. So if you're buying cannabis, THC cannabis, ask for sun and earth. It's a great standard, uh, connected with Dr. Bronner's. And, and I know that a lot of their standard has, has been influenced by, it seems like by Demeter. Uh, and then there's the regenerative organic certification, which seems like it's been influenced by biodynamic, but we feel like Demeter is kind of the gold standard right now. So, yeah, no, I think it's important to go into the climate aspect because I think that's, really what draws a lot of people in if they're not necessarily interested in the, you know, other benefits of regenerative ag. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, from what I've read, uh, hemp can sequester 25 times the amount of carbon, uh, per acre. 
I don't know what trees that's being compared to, but mm-hmm. for a weed <laughs> that can just pop up and grow with, with, you know, good soil, but not a lot of work, that's pulling a lot of carbon back into the soil. You know, it's so for folks that don't know, the carbon in the atmosphere didn't come from outer space. It came from the soil. It's just been displaced because we all are driving cars and trucks around and burning a bunch of fuel. So if we can support regenerative agriculture, then large scale ranches, for example, are one of the biggest positive contributors to uh, helping uh, sequester carbon. They, they, you know, the beef industry gets a lot of flack because of feedlots, which are a total mess, and I do not support at all. But uh, it's not the cow; it's the how uh, is is a great yeah. quote. So, so you know, grasslands, um, you know, all these plants are pulling carbon out of the atmosphere and putting it back into the soil. So, you know, hemp is is not only creating medicine, and if we can start to build the infrastructure, it can create fiber. You know, Young Maven; those are friends of ours. They're using hemp, uh, creating hemp products, uh, papers bioplastics. I mean, my, my high school research paper in 1999 was on hemp. Funny enough. I read about that. I, mean, I read that in your bio. I'm it's so that. funny. That's so awesome. I mean, I was being a cheeky, you know, cheeky 17 year old kid in North Carolina who secretly had about four weed plants growing in the woods. And, mm-hmm. uh, I, I loved I loved marijuana. I wasn't a big drinker, but I knew that the cannabis plant worked with my my chemistry. And so I was kind of just being cheeky and I thought I'd write about it. But then when I got into it, I was blown away. I was thinking, why, you know, are we not using this plant in more of our economy and in our materials? But, you know, a lot of that has to do with all the propaganda, uh, anti-cannabis and racist propaganda from from the 20s. Um, but anyway, I digress. The, the plant is we're just at the beginning of what could potentially open up into just uh, a plant that can can change change everything you know it's just so generous and so dynamic um, and that's again what's fueling a lot of this optimism so and onda is part of that movement yeah so it's what keeps me getting up in the morning and <laughs> not throwing the towel in because you know we're self-funded and um, I'm the sole proprietor it's it's a grind. It's really hard because we're up against brands that are very flashy and have a lot of backing and a lot of uh, resources to, to you know, <laughs> get out there and sell their product. Um, What's it like to, I mean, are you looking to raise? Yeah, I'm, I'm talking to some people right now. I, I love the, the beautiful thing is that uh, we can be very selective. You yeah. know, uh, and, and not at, by no means do I mean that in an arrogant way. It's just that that our numbers are good. We're not we're not dependent on investors to 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 run this. It's been almost four years, and uh, and haven't taken a dime of of uh, investment money. So the point is, we believe, I believe, I want to believe that you can have resources, have money, and still be a good person. Because you know, there's a lot of cases that would prove prove the opposite of that. But I think that what we really are interested in. Uh, are people that believe in impact investing, in mm-hmm. in mission driven companies uh, that subscribe to some of the slow money concepts by Woody Tash? If you haven't read that book, it's a really great uh, movement now that that supports long term, solid, strong growth as opposed to this "let's blow it up and flip it in two years" kind of thing. Yeah, I think that this is an exciting time, you know, to 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 pull in some some folks with resources to to amplify this message because 
one interesting thing about hemp and cannabis is that a lot of the more corporate entities, the the big, big players uh, haven't really come in, at least publicly, into the space because they're maybe still a little apprehensive because yeah. the legality is still unfolding. I mean, it's legal, but it's like it's all still unfolding. So I think that's allowed small mission-driven companies, uh, or it's, I don't know, it's at least allowed Onda a chance to try to get a little ground covered and to hold a space. But it's important that we get the resources in to amplify our message, to grow the mission, to help support more farmers, to get more soil cultivated uh, in a way that's that's sequestering carbon and building vitality. So yeah, it's an exciting time and, and I look forward to to how it unfolds and, and who kind of gets woven into the to the mission here because it feels it feels warrior like, you know, our little team, like we feel like we're on a on a mission. It's it's empowering for sure. I know you have a really great team. And I I see that. I think that it like you're saying, it's super exciting because there are a lot of funds that are forming that are more environmentally focused. And so whether it's, you know, an angel or a VC or whoever comes in as your partner, the cool thing is you're so mission driven, like you said, and you're, you know exactly what you want and who you're looking for that when that person comes in or when those people come in, it's just an, an exciting time to grow it one step further. So I'm excited for you. I'm excited for what you're doing. I really appreciate it. I appreciate you spreading the message and just the work that you're doing in the world is so important. So thank you for joining us and, and sharing with our audience. Yeah. We're, we're so grateful for um, you hosting the space uh, for us to be able to share with more people. And we invite everyone in, you know, to, to, uh, to, to join the team. Uh, So thank you for, again, for providing the opportunity.